Remember the album Make Believe with Beverly Hills or Pinkerton and El Scorcho or Pink Triangle? What about the red, green or blue albums? Oh yes, that's the pinnacle of Weezer within these records. If you said Weezer hasn't been a relatively important band since 2008, then I would tend to agree with you. I mean, every band has a use-by date, it's just impossible to stay within the public zeitgeist forever, and it's probably fair to say Weezer is a band that has passed their prime. The band's last huge hit was the Pork and Beans song back in 2008, and an argument could be made for memories from Jackass 3, but I think it did more for Twisted Sister than Weezer, plus it was carried by the cast when they re-sung it, and it felt like the perfect send-off tune to a chapter of our lives we were ready to close off. kind of a fitting analogy really for the band. What I'm trying to say is that Weezer has been a band that has suffered a fate worse than being forgotten. They are part of a list of bands whose first album was overshadowed by anything else they have released since, and while they have released quite a few good albums, there is a lot of mediocrity within their back catalogue. It's unfortunate that their monolithic eponymous release has caused everything since to feel like a red-headed stepchild, but hey, that's music reviews for you. The noblest of all career paths. I will say it's admirable that Rivers is continuing and trying out new things rather than just cashing in on the nostalgia factor, but I'll point this out later in the review anyway. Believe me. So let me unleash my inner gatekeeper for this record to address the many, many faults that the season's EPs have made, and let's get into this expanded review. What a nice place to entertain my thoughts. So idyllic, so intriguing, such an interesting concept on paper. But you know what else also is intriguing on paper? <laughs> wow, that was a stretch. I was actually going to say the thought of four Weezer albums in one year. Damn you, editor. So Weezer came up with a pretty interesting concept for them to achieve four albums in one year, which was to expand on the musical ideas from OK Human involving orchestral arrangements and incorporating them into this new season's projects. Four EPs released concurrently with the Northern Hemisphere's seasonal pattern, and some might say this felt weird for fans in the Southern Hemisphere, like the make-believe country of Australia where I am from. Look, I get it, and this is a non-issue, but still kind of funny from the rest of the world's point of view. So a few things first, what is an EP? An EP is an extended play as opposed to a long play, common terms during the vinyl era. EPs are short records, typically with four tracks but not limited to this, and running at under 30 minutes long, while an LP is a full-length album in excess of that time frame. If I quickly summed up the season's EPs, it would be as follows. Spring was average, summer was decent, autumn was woeful, and winter was pretty solid. That's it, that's a wrap. Damn! He ain't gonna be in rush hour three. But seriously, in my view, this project as a whole was a failure. And I come to this conclusion with multiple reasons, so hear me out, and if you think I believe this whole project is without redemption, 
then you would be mistaken. I am just looking at the project as a whole and unfortunately it's a whole mess of ideas with multiple flaws but there are a few diamonds in the rough. So this marks the band's longest works to date and I'm sure this will be a record that stands for the rest of their careers with the combined totals of all the season's EPs running at 90 minutes in length with 28 tracks to offer. To make this easier, I'll break it down into the three sections, pointing out the good, the bad, and the ugly. As to be expected, the production of this record is quite impressive, and I can't fault it. The album sounds rambunctious when it needs to be, the drums are too overpowered and forcing my ears to bleed, but at the right levels. I can hear the bass lines keeping a great rhythm within the songs, and it all just comes together very well. As mentioned above, the concept is really quite interesting, and I can't think of any other artist that has actually decided to push themselves to write and record material within a time frame to be released by a certain date. Rivers also uses interpolation on a few songs, and he does it very well for most of the part, which I will discuss later on in this review. While most bands have made perhaps one or two records during the lockdowns, this brings the band's total up to six albums post-COVID. This shows that Rivers is not slowing down his songwriting to the delight of many Weezer fans, I would imagine. What's wrong with me? With the release of Winter, this makes it six albums that Weezer have made since the lockdowns. And if I'm being honest, this is too much to digest. It's an overabundance of material that is produced with such efficiency that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would even be impressed with the sheer amount of quantity that's been released by Weezer. However, the point I want to make here is that it doesn't give the listener a lot of time to just sit back and listen and take the time to enjoy these records for what they are. It's just an endless stream of rivers. While the concept was interesting, the end product feels flawed and was made in an unfocused manner. The project at times feels like it lacks focus and direction and is just pushing out songs for the sake of pushing out songs and overall comes across as a disjointed and convoluted effort. As mentioned before, this album runs in at 90 minutes, which is an exceptionally long for a Weezer record, which would usually be 10 or 11 tracks and a 40 minute affair. This is exceedingly long and can leave us wheezing for air. Get it? Goddamn editors. It airs on the side of self-indulgence in particular when you name tracks after yourself. I get it, you love Shakespeare. With Rivers writing almost all material by himself, it ultimately feels more like a Rivers Kumo solo project more than a band effort, and I understand that he is the primary songwriter, but it sometimes works best to share the burden and have others bring in their ideas. It could also allow for some more creativity. Now, I don't have the patience, and you don't have the time, for me to crap on every single track that's on each of the season's EPs, so I just chose a few to become the focal points for this section, but before we do, let me explain the term interpolation. Interpolation is a musical method that involves taking a section of a song, say the melody, and adding it to yours, sometimes allowing you to shift your song's style in the process. 
This can allow listeners to have a moment to say, wait, where have I heard this before? Famous examples might include Nicki Minaj's Anaconda, using Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back, Miley Cyrus' song Flowers, which includes Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive, and about a thousand other TikTok videos. There is another word for this, and it's sampling. It's pretty much the same thing, and I'm pretty sure some lawyers and marketing execs came together to come up with this idea to avoid copyright clearances and splash the word interpolating on it so it sounds different and sets itself apart. But whatever, I'm splitting hairs at this point, so let's get back into this. The reason I bring this up is because Rivers uses this method constantly on the record, and admittedly, it is to great effect. The tracks are impressive when he uses Antonio Vivaldi's music in his songs, and it's the perfect match. Shakespeare makes me happy, Shakespeare makes me happy, so happy, and I'm happy to be with you. It must be mentioned here that Antonio Vivaldi is the classical composer who wrote the season's musical suits in the 18th century and a great way to embody his works in a modern setting. For most of the part, the songs hit the mark, but there are some inconsistencies I want to explore. Although this may be a minor issue to some, I think it's worth mentioning as Antonio Vivaldi's Seasons follows a musical narrative and a musical first with sonnets being available to read during the pieces for each season, and they follow a story and the themes of each season as well. Take for example the suit Summer Presto which has a fast foreboding and brooding build-up as the sonnet reads that a storm is coming and destroys the farmer's crops. Soft breezes stir the air, but threatening north winds sweep them suddenly aside. The shepherd trembles, fearful of violent storms and what may lie ahead. You can feel that in the music as well as the sonnets Vivaldi writes and it suits the narrative well. On the other hand, Rivers uses suits that don't align to the current seasons for a hook, like on the opening track Lawn Chair from Summer, which includes a section Winter Largo and the main one I wanted to discuss, Tastes Like Pain from the Autumn EP. I'm loser, I'm dumb cock, I'm stupid, I hate you. This song uses another winter suit called Winter Allegro, but in my opinion, the song really flatlines and undermines the efforts made prior. You see, the song is a simple one that is nihilistic, self-loathing, self-hating, and so simplistic that it undermines the point of the original song. The original piece is a complex one that shows skill within the musicianship world, and is the finale of the composition alluding to the brutal force of an inevitable winter, and in itself a metaphor for death. Rivers not only misses the mark here by replacing the song and putting it on the Autumn EP, he also just delivers the simplest of lyrics in the shortest span of a song. I feel like this song could have gone somewhere with prior context, or if it was building up from prior events, and if the song was expanded and given say another verse, 
it might have gone deeper than that, rather than being the shallow puddle it is. I mean, this song was intended for release on the Winter EP, which would have been a better fit given its darkly poignant lyrics, but alas, it was never meant to be. The song misses the mark entirely and feels like the real low point for all of the albums, and is easily my least favourite track for all of the reasons above. One of the biggest problems from the record was the timing of each release, which meant sometimes songs would have to be shuffled out before intended releases as mentioned before, or borrowing notes on previous unreleased songs from four years ago. Another area that has shown time and time again that releasing a product by a deadline isn't a good idea is the gaming industry. We have seen time and time again countless products just being pushed out for the release under a certain date and just to be patched up later in the future because hey we can fix it at a later stage we need money now. And in the end this hurts the trust that the users have in the end product. The only difference here is that there is no patches for the release. Once it's done and it's out there, it's out there. The fact that past unreleased material was used for songs mixed around just shows that the project doesn't follow a clear narrative or an idea during the tenor and it really reflects on various tracks. With this lack of focus on a gargantuan project such as this, it can easily fall apart at the seams and for a project that follows the themes of the seasons there is surprisingly little reflection on one's own life or past events and decisions that were made. When I heard about the Seasons idea, I figured this is what the band would do, and I was very interested to see if they could pull off such a feat. Maybe I was expecting too much, or focusing on one narrative that could set this record down a doomed path because it didn't live up to my expectations, and that would be fair to say, but ultimately the band did go down this path on a few songs, even if the inspirations for other tracks varied. Oh, song Sheraton Commander from the Winter EP, which seems to me like a wasted track, but one of my viewers, Austin, pointed out the story and it shows that Rivers is discussing the Sheraton Commander Hotel, located near Harvard, where Rivers went and how he saw it from a window to which he reflected upon his youth. The lyrics aren't exactly painting the picture for this clearly, and barely mention this as he discusses the Washington Elm Tree, located nearby and within the same breath. This song could have taken an interesting turn if it had been fleshed out a bit more, showing Rivers coming to terms with his approaching autumn years, just being a bit jaded, overlooking a place that he went in his youth. But instead, we get a short and rather pointless track that takes more effort to dig into to understand rather than describe on this song. Also, this track seems better placed on the autumn EP, but I digress. Another comparison is a bit more general to various songs on the EPs, but it's the overarching themes found on various tracks themselves. Of course this was not going to be a concept album, so I didn't expect all the songs to suit one narrative, but when you go over all of these songs, there is just a lot going on, and expanded on these across various releases. 
The three main recurring themes I found across all of these releases was Angels and God, Love and Love's Gone, and Self-Loathing and Reluctance. To start with the Angels theme, we find this on songs like Angels on Vacation, The Garden of Eden, Lawn Chair, The Opposite of Me, and Get Off on the Pain, which spans three out of four of the seasons. I don't find this motif returning on the Winter EP, which would seem to be where it should be most relevant. You might say Dark Enough to See the Stars is a culmination of efforts, but I would disagree. The mention of God is merely present as a common turn of phrase throughout this song, and Rivers also stated in an interview that this song was written as a kind of desperation plea during the lockdown, due to feeling disconnected with the world, so I don't see it as part of this narrative. But if you think it is, then that's your interpretation, I guess. As for the themes of Love and Love Lost, this is on a few various tracks, but most prominently on A Little Bit of Love, Francesca, and Should She Stay or Should She Go. This is done so to varying effects and has been an ongoing theme in pretty much all of Weezer's albums, so this is always going to be on here, but it feels like running on a treadmill as it doesn't really go anywhere. Lastly, we have self-pity and such prominently on the song Tastes Like Pain, so I won't go down that path again. All of these are interesting concepts and themes that can work well within the themes of the seasons, but none of them really stay the path and become the sole focus, instead just falling wayside and making room for the next track to play through. I'm sure Weezer could have chosen one theme to focus on and done it well, even if there was a bit of music to change up the pace for each release, but instead, it's like the Game of Thrones episodes. If you didn't pay attention to this character's story in the last episode, then you will just be confused on the next episode, and why are they charging into the bloody ice army of zombies, getting wiped out and just killed, but then reappearing in the next episode to do battle at King's Landing? What, what's going on here? Okay then, <laughs> whatever, rant, over. Now I may be a very simple man, but I know that the seasons is an analogy used in literature to show the parallels of the aging process. Spring brings youth, summer is growing up, autumn is past their prime, and winter is the inevitable. If Weezer were aiming for this motif, then they missed the mark terribly, and they didn't even try in the various themes they discuss. But it's just laid out like a bowl of spaghetti at the end of the day. I want to take this moment to draw your attention to the following song. What you just heard was a snippet of Dream Theater's song, A Change of Seasons, and this song perfectly encapsulates the season's narrative. But wait, why are we talking about Dream Theater? This is like apples and oranges. True. But Dream Theater understood what they were going to achieve when they set out writing this masterpiece. In 24 minutes, spread out over 7 movements, Dream Theater achieved what Weezer could not come close to achieving in 90 minutes presented on 28 tracks. Dream Theater's song opens with an acoustic piece paired with angelic synth that portrays a youthful vibrance and innocent mindset before getting into the heaviness and complex of drum patterns that is life. The song discusses the antagonist and his life experiences about exploring boundaries until he feels a cool autumn breeze and winter eventually arrives and to be sure to seize the day. Carpe diem indeed. The music also fits the narrative when it needs to, and is overall an incredibly well-written song, as you would expect from the progressive metal band Dream Theater. 
I make all of these points as a fan of Weezer because I don't want rushed products to be just pushed out by the band every so often. I don't mind waiting a year for the next release if that means a better product in the long run. In preparation for this review, I went through each track and I just ranked them in a very simplistic manner of the song and whether it was good, bland or just terrible. What I ended up with was 11 tracks that I thought were excellent or worthy of praise and I would listen to again and again. At the other end of the spectrum there were about the same number of songs that I just didn't like and I feel that I would not want to hear again. The rest are just fine, but nothing special. When you boil this down, it turns out to be a numbers game. Statistically speaking, if you release 28 tracks, then some of them are going to work and they're going to stick. But really, the 11 tracks could have made for one superb album, one that could have perhaps revived the band's status. Instead, we are treated with the usual potato and gravy insta-mix that is found in KFC. Somewhat nice, but rather generic. I want to give a shout out first to The Morning After Music Show for this idea. They are a group of interesting people who do an incredible show with in-depth reviews and they use this method to get a score on the albums they are talking about. So be sure to check them out and I will leave a link in the comment section below. Be sure to look at them. Spring Scores So the scores are from various other musical outlets. Metacritic gave Spring the score of 63. All Music gave it 4 out of 5. The AV Club gave it a B-, so I guess that's 7 out of 10. Exclaim, 5 out of 10. Pitchfork, 4.4 out of 10. Rolling Stone with a 3 out of 5. And that averages all the scores out to 6.08 out of 10. Summer's scores are as follows. Exclaim gave it 7 out of 10, Gigwise gave it 8 out of 10, Pitchfork gave it 4.2 out of 10, Riff Magazine gave it 6 out of 10, and all of this averages out to be 6.3 out of 10. The Autumn scores are that Exclaim gave it 3 out of 10, Gigwise gave it 9 out of 10, Riff Magazine an 8 out of 10, and this averages out to 6.67. The winter scores are Blabbermouth with a score of 8 out of 10, Exclaim gave it a 6 out of 10, and Gigwise gave it an 8 out of 10, with Riff Magazine giving a 7 out of 10. And this averages out winter to 7.25 out of 10. This is an okay set of releases by the band, with some really awesome tracks among some really average tracks mixed with some really terrible tracks. It's just a lot of music to go through and sift across. So just another day of the office then for Weezer fans. Weezer fans have to be some of the biggest diehard fan bases, and I love that. But they must suffer from machoistic tendencies as they suffer through subpar releases to get some good stuff out of it. I would have preferred it if the band, or Rivers for the most part of it, decided to release say 4 or 5 tracks instead with each release. That way it would force the band to focus their attention on one narrative rather than this spaghetti incident. I also wouldn't mind if this was released as Rivers' solo project, as it really does feel like his project. In the past, his solo albums included demos and unreleased music from Weezer, and given many lyrics were taken from a book of ideas from years ago that he didn't use on prior Weezer albums, it would only make sense at the end of it. Maybe it was done under the band's banner to gain more traction and attention, or possibly for clout. 
I see a lot of similarities with River Kumos and Omar Rodriguez in that both musicians work on multiple projects at once and this can sometimes affect the end product. Omar at least recognised this while recording Octahedron and ended up focusing on that project solely. While the season CPs feels like a funnel of River's older ideas and various new ones just coming into being down one little nozzle. This project had a lot of potential when I heard about it enough to make me count down and check the days until its release. The last time I was this eager to hear a new Weezer album was perhaps the Red album, so bonus points for achieving such highs for me, but in the end, it did not make that superhero landing, instead it felt like this. I mean, credit where credit's due. Should She Stay or Should She Go is perhaps one of the best Weezer tracks I have actually retained in my whiskey damaged head, and Thank You and Good Night is an epic closer for the summer EP. The idea deserves an A+, but the end product is less than desirable. I'll also have a playlist on Spotify called Seasons Chili, and you can find that on Spotify. I'll close this episode out here, but before you go, if you enjoyed the episode, please drop a like. If you didn't, then leave a dislike. Comment below and tell me your thoughts on the Seasons EP, and if you disagree or agree with anything I've said, also just drop another comment. Please consider sharing this video and liking it, and subscribing to the Chilicon Carnage crew if you haven't already, as my cat needs food and YouTube ain't paying the bills. Check the socials as well, people, and thank you for watching this episode, and as always, stay spicy. Thank you and good night. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Live Listen Erased. And if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with all your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our Chili Con Carnage crew so you can get notified for all the future videos that we put out, as we put out videos every Friday. Also, we are on Discord, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter over at Live Listener Race, so make sure to tune in over there. And don't forget to like this video so that our manager can stay very happy.